0: Good evening and welcome to Trinity Chapel. Um, As you can see, the chapel is set up for a special concert tonight. And uh, that is by the um, Bach Society of Minnesota. And there are a number of singers that are going to perform the beautiful music of Johann Sebastian Bach, other members of his family and friends, it says. And um, uh, that will be at 7 o'clock. You are required to have tickets to come to that, however. I believe students have a pass with your ID. But uh, the uh, others, uh, there are tickets required for that, and those are available out in the Narthex. Uh, There's also a talk at 6.30 tonight in here uh, regarding box Bible. So if you'd like to be here for that as well, that's at 6.30. And uh, and more information about that you can find from uh, those who are here out in the Narthex. So we've abbreviated our Lenten service this evening to accommodate all of this and make sure that we can... Uh, fit all of this in tonight. You'll find the order of service printed for you on the uh, bulletin for this evening. We begin with the two verses of our opening hymn. The portion of our Lord's Passion history upon which we will meditate tonight is taken from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 26th chapter, beginning with verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Here ends the reading of the Gospel of St. Matthew. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our Christian faith through them. Amen. According to a poll published in Forbes magazine in uh, 2022, uh, Americans give one of the highest approval ratings to firefighters. It slipped down a little bit to doctors and nurses during the COVID era, and uh, people admired doctors and nurses for being willing to put their own life, uh, their own lives on the line in order to take care of others. But prior to that, firefighters were some of the almost the highest time after time when polls would be taken. Ninety percent of Americans rank them as very high, and those numbers really shot up after 9/11, when people saw that, that there were people that that intentionally rushed into buildings that were going to collapse in order to save people. Uh, that evokes a tremendous amount of appreciation in uh, in the public. That same type of appreciation comes out of Christians when we consider what our Lord Jesus is doing here in the Garden of Gethsemane. That he specifically, intentionally heads into battle on your behalf and on my behalf. He seeks out the danger of having to be crucified and having to pay the ultimate price for our wickedness and our sinfulness. His divine omniscience The fact that he knows all things is well aware of what is coming for him. And the Old Testament scriptures, which he himself, the Son of God, helped to lay out, the Old Testament scriptures had prophesied time and time again. It was very clear exactly what would be coming for him. And he knew that all the fury of God's wrath and anger against the wickedness of man would fall now upon himself as he goes to the cross. Back in the 15th century, Leonardo da Vinci wrote about soldiers that he knew who, before heading into battle, were so perplexed and stressed by the future prospect of their death that they would bleed through their sweat glands. Uh, That same thing takes place here with our Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's known as hematidrosis. And it's when people are placed under enormous emotional stress. And our Lord Jesus now falls with his face upon the ground, and Luke, the physician, tells us his sweat became like drops of blood. The payment for guilt, the payment for my guilt, for your guilt, is not simply an earthly temporal death, but it really is eternal death. And it's not just the process of dying that troubles our Lord Christ. Every soldier certainly awaits that or everybody with a terminal illness knows that. But it's experiencing the full force of God's law for our eternal death. This intense divine justice that is coming from heaven to atone for our wickedness is pressing down on the Son of God and forces holy blood to come out of his sweat glands. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, Isaiah writes. Now, during this process, he does not cease to be God. His very divine nature doesn't leave him, but rather it retreats into the shadows during this process so that he can suffer and feel all of the agony and the torture that is required to make peace between you and a holy God, and me and a holy God. Your sin, you know very well, is not a fantasy, My sin is not a fantasy. My conscience, just like your conscience, knows how real it is and how stinging it can be inside of us when we think back on things. And so what needed to be paid was not a phantom payment for our sins. It had to be a real death. It had to be a real real amount of blood that had to be shed in order to pay for our sins. In Old Testament times, with many of the sacrifices, as people brought lambs and goats before the priest, they would place their hand on the top of the head to show the transfer of their guilt onto this victim animal now that would have a machete placed on its neck and suddenly have its life struck and taken away. Here is our Lord Jesus with the machete on his neck the night that he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. And so for comfort and support, he turns to his disciples. He turns to the very ones that he has been with now for the past three years. And sad to say, they fail him. Three times he goes off to prayer and comes back, hoping to find them awake and supportive with him. But he finds them sleeping. Think of the strange irony, the juxtaposition that's happening here. You have the Son of God taking the very sins of these lazy disciples, on himself, so that they could someday go to heaven, he's bearing all of that on himself, and he comes back and finds them sleeping time and time again. And I always think, as they were in the garden with him, and he went off to pray, what light-hearted conversations did they possibly have before they took these naps? What things were on their mind about their lives before uh, before all of this interaction with Christ takes place? But before I shake my head at them, I need to take a good, strong look at myself. I need to look at my own life and how I view many things and how casually I can take my sin in my life and how casually I can treat the judgment that I really deserve from God and act like it's no big deal. I think of all the things that can dominate my time and my energy, things that are trivial and irrelevant and how easy it is for me to be tempted to think oh another sin of mine I can throw that on Christ it's no big deal it's so easy for me to minimize my wickedness and my guilt before God you know many funeral directors I've talked to a number of them through the years as a pastor many funeral directors have jokes about death and dying some of them are pretty good But at the same time, when their own personal death comes upon them, it's no joke suddenly. It's very easy for us to frivolously talk about and treat Judgment Day as something that's that's really no big deal and even make jokes up about it. That somehow God is upset with us and things like that. But when the moment comes to really have to face what that would be like, that's a whole different matter. Thank God, thank your God, that his son did not take our sin so lightly and did not take it so casually. That even under the burden of all of our guilt and the the pending destruction to his own body that was coming for him, things that he now willingly goes into, he never once deviates from his mission. He never strays from it. He remains faithful to what his father knew had to be done to make payment for our sins so that I could stand here tonight in front of you and announce from heaven that all the guilt in your life, all of the sin in your life, all of the things that would have kept you out of heaven have been paid for by the holy blood of the Son of God. Think what of a refreshing, wonderful doctrine that is in the scriptures. And right here we are at the central point of what all of Christianity ultimately is about. And that is that our Lord is atoning for all of that guilt in us. We who are the beneficiaries sometimes can act like this isn't a big deal. But that doesn't change Christ's resolve at all. It's a great passage where Paul says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. Christ didn't wait for you and me to have the right attitude. He didn't wait for us to make changes in our life. He didn't wait for us to somehow uh, try to come up with a little bit better way of living toward God. He didn't wait for any of that. He took you and me at the, at the depth of our sin and he still went to the cross while we were sinners christ died for us the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to god what a beautiful message now we may learn to appreciate what he has spared us from hopefully we'll never ever know at all what that would really be like to think what christ has come to spare us from people who have actually been spared from fires when they, when they later realize what it did to the person, maybe the fireman, that had to rescue them and the things that they suffered, their appreciation for that grows tremendously. We like to think that we do appreciate what Christ has done for us, and certainly in faith we do. But just imagine when we finally go into heaven itself, what our appreciation for that is going to be like. And so may we even now in our Christian lives live out lives of gratitude and appreciation for this marvelous grace of our Savior where he intentionally puts himself in the way of God's justice so you and I would never, ever feel what that's like. What a blessed place to be in in that faith. Amen. We continue with the collect and please rise.